I'm Richard August, the designer of Epic Encounters, and you're listening to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. This podcast is sponsored by Borfindel's Dwarf Spirits, guaranteed to blow your head off. I, I mean, really, I've seen it. One sip and boom. I'm not entirely sure I see the point, but they seem quite popular. Anyway, order Borfindel's Dwarf Spirits now at the introductory price of 14 groats per gallon and get a pint of Goblin Spittle for free. All the tabletop role-playing news We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am Russ, aka Morris, or Morris, aka Russ. And with me this week is Please Coffee from the Southampton Guild of Role Players. Russ has her. I am completely delighted to be here. The listeners will have no idea how many times I had to try to say that line this week. <laughs> Unless, of course, you're listening to our absolutely fantastic patrons-only bonus content, in which case you too will be treated to Russ failing to say the word hello on some <laughs> occasions. Yes. <laughs> so, Mark, uh, we, have a guest. we have a guest this week. Would you introduce to me? You don't have to introduce him to me because I've met him twice before, but introduce him anyway. Uh, well, as I say, it's like in strong contender for best guest going up against Ed Jarrett and likes to change stacks. We have the one there, only Chris Fivey, all the way from the US of A, uh, here today to talk to us about a very exciting project. Well, I appreciate you guys having me back again for my third trip here. It's, third this trip. is probably. Why do, you, why do you do this to yourself? Why do you keep coming back? Most people Mostly just... because it's so early that I don't remember that I did it <laughs> later in the day. <laughs> somehow, somehow the previous experiences have been, you know, blocked from your mind. Your, your subconscious has suppressed them or something. Well, the mind has a way of suppressing uh, really traumatic events sometimes. Mm. It's sort of a defense mechanism. Anyway. Yeah. That's, <laughs> not, that's not a great advert for our podcast, is it? Art is an official tabletop RPG talk. We're here to cause really traumatic memories. <laughs> well, how about this one? So uh, I'm taking my third trip back because you, you two are the best interview host I've ever encountered. Well, thank you very much. I'm sure it's not true, but thank you anyway. We will definitely, uh, definitely take the compliment. We'll, we'll go with this as long as there's no follow-up questions about how many interview hosts you've had. <laughs> I think that's probably for the best, so you. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we, do specifically <laughs> Shall we do some RPG news? That, that does sound like an excellent idea. Of voice. Okay. I mean, amusing as it is for me to watch you, like, fail to say words repeatedly, I feel that, you know, the listeners and Chris, like a more professional podcast. So the listeners don't know quite how tired I am and quite how much time I've spent on Zoom this week. <laughs> I literally am struggling to put words together. As opposed to every other week. Absolutely. Well, yeah, there is that. Anyway, let's <laughs> yeah. do some news. Let's do some news. So the first bit of news yeah, it's isn't specifically RPG. It's about the Ooh. D&D movie. Really? Going on. So, I mean, we, we, we seem to be covering the D&D movie in like dribs and drabs every week at the moment, I think. So um, we might have to do... We have to do like an episode where we just cover everything and just like get get all those drips and drabs and put them all together. But that, you like- that sounds excellent. We need to have. Well, you've already expounded on your theory that it's going to be set in the end of the dark. No, no, that was the TV series. Um, totally. Oh, different. is it? Oh, well. 
Okay, so we've got a movie and yeah. a TV anyway, series coming. Would you like to hear today's drip and drab about the TV, about the movie, not the TV series, about the movie? You're confusing me now, Peter. Easily done. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Reggae John Page, him from Ooh, Bridgerton, yeah. who we yeah. already know is in the movie, spoke yeah. to Variety this week. Uh, it was it was mainly like a like a profile piece, so it like covered all of his career. But yeah, if we yeah. zero in on the D and D movie bit of it, yeah. which was a sort of only 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 part of part of the interview, he oh. revealed that he is playing. Guess what character class he is playing? Ooh, what? Incorrect. Wait, wait. Um, let's go. They wouldn't go old school, so definitely not a fact totem. Let's go sorcerer. Mm, he's playing a paladin. Oh, awesome! I never. Charisma and strength, that's where we went wrong. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, so yes, yes, he doesn't say much. He does say, though, that for D&D players, this movie is going to be a sigh of relief, which I think is kind of a reference to the previous D&D movies, maybe. Well, that'd be a little cruel, but fair. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be very, very fair. Mm. I mean, that's basically what he says. He's playing a paladin, and this one's going to be a sigh of relief. He, really, he reveals he hasn't played D&D before, but he's kind mm. of, he's listened to some D&D podcasts, and he's uh, he's played some D and D video games. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he's, uh, he calls himself a second generation D and D fan. Yeah, sure, why not? Yeah, like, like for me, a second generation D and D person would be someone who's like parents play D and D and then they play D and D. But yeah, like second generation, sure. Yeah, not. but that's because you're a pedant, Peter. We all know that. So. I am a pedant. <laughs> it's one of my most lovable things. <laughs> Being technically correct is has been the best kind <laughs> yes, of correct. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So moving moving on from that, uh, yes. Critical Role yes. this week had their second campaign finale. Their second com- is this the second finale in that campaign or the finale to the, the finale campaign? of the second campaign? Yeah. Right. Okay. Sorry. I, I, I thought I'd check. Okay. So yeah. um, this this episode, I haven't sat down and watched it, and the reason I haven't mm-hmm. done so is because it's seven hours long. It's a uh, wow. It's That's a multi-day, even a, a good session. A good session to run about twenty-four hours. So they're they're getting in there. <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe their next maybe their next campaign will all be twenty-four hour sessions, which they're going to stream on Twitch. I, I, I think we need to call this uh, episode. In this episode, Pete, Russ and Peter find that Morris and Peter find that Chris is made of stern stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, man. I gotta tell you, four hours, four hours is a long time for me to sit and watch a watch a stream. Seven yes. hours would be difficult. Twenty four hours, I mean, <laughs> it, it's one of those weird things. Like if I'm watching a TV series, I will watch almost an infinite number of twenty minute episodes. But I actually sit now to watch something proper length. I just don't have the attention mm. for it anymore. Yeah, I kind of think about it because sometimes I sort of see people saying, like, that thing's really long. And of course, I have a pause button. I don't have to watch it in one go. It's not It's not like, you know, the clockwork race where they're, where they're sitting there with their eyes popped open, forced to watch this movie. You know what I, mean? I can pause it, walk out and come back again the next day. Yeah, that, that is very true. But it's kind of uh, good technology. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing, isn't it, technology? Who would ever have thought of a pause button? I'm just waiting for them to go and edit Critical Role into 30-minute segments, and then I'll watch it then. That'd be a lot of 30-minute segments. I, I, well, put it this way. It's like the idea of like a couple of hundred four-hour episodes. I'm like, oh. the, couple of, the idea of a couple of thousand 30-minute segments, I'm like, oh. 
Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a different sort of thing. You have a very high constitution score, what can I say? <laughs> <laughs> very very low attention span, very high constitution score. It's, it's, a, it's or, a fantastic or, or a very low wisdom. One of the, one of the... What? Who said that? What? Ah, where am I? <laughs> so, Sorry, Bruce, uh, you caught us on a funny day today. <laughs> so, as, as, as I said, I haven't actually watched... Are there any others? Well, we have non-funny days. Uh, like normally Tuesday is my most serious day. But the Fridays, I do tend to be a little bit uh, different, a little bit giddier, a little bit happier. I like how you get very serious when you answer that, though. Oh, yes, yes. It's important to take seriously. Anyway, so this uh, this campaign finale, the seven-hour yeah. campaign finale, um, I don't, so I don't know much about it, but I do know the, the, the big bad guy, the big boss, mm, yes. big bad mm. at the end, yes. is basically like a humanoid beholder. Oh, so cool. it looks like it's this seven foot tall blue humanoid with like tentacles coming out. Oh, I'll talk there also. Each right. of which has an eye on the end of it. So it looks like a, oh. it's like a, a sort of modified beholder stroke giant type thing, which looks yeah. kind of fun. I, I was sort of imagining it has like, when you first said it, like has a beholder, but has a bubble head. So it's like, <laughs> like a little stick man. Yeah. But, but I suppose the way is more tentable. I'm almost envisioning more as a, a Doctor Who sort of a alien now after hearing that description of it. Oh, yeah. D&D youth, because yeah. I wanted to talk a little bit about the new dungeon kit that Wizards of the Coast announced this week. So it's a new DM screen. Do you remember the Wilderness Kit that came out with, was it last year, year before? Oh, it was sometime. Yeah, a, they... But I can't even remember what was in that. There was a bunch of cards and terrain pieces or something. Yeah, or, yeah. Or, or I, I, I was underwhelmed. Yeah. Well, the Dungeon recall. Kit mm-hmm. is a new DM screen, mm-hmm. but it's also got, and the DM screen specifically designed for dungeon delving. You can't actually mm-hmm. see what the tables are on it, but it says mm-hmm. there's tables for monster encounters, exploring ruins and stuff like that. So, okay. I, you know. Dungeon dressing, maybe? I don't know. It's got 36 punch-out dungeon geomorph cards with pathway connection points. I'm sorry. All I've got is queer eye for the dungeon guy going around in my head. (laughs) So I had to leave my head and I had to share it with you. (laughs) So... Like you know, dressing, you say. Right? Well, you know, you know what GMF cards are. They're sort of like uh, pieces of map that you can rotate. You can rotate them anyway and join them together in any different combination. So you can. Oh, okay. That's they've, been, cool. they've been around in D and D since I remember some Dragonlance ones back in the eighties or something. So they've been around for ages. Is this like a T junction or like a hexagon or something? They're a bit more complicated than that. Each one's oh. got. I'm looking. At, I'm looking at a picture of them now. And then one, mm-hmm. two, three, four. Each one will have sort of like between six and eight or ten rooms with corridors to join. But just at each oh, each okay. of the four sides, there's oh. always a corridor coming off the centre of the right. Yeah. So it can adjoin to any other one. Yeah, yeah. So it's like a little uh, modular subsections of dungeon. To yeah, play around yeah. And you've oh, got okay. th- you got there's thirty six of them. So it's got those. Yeah. Um, it has got eighteen illustrated punch out condition cards. Yeah, nice. I like that. And this is this is this is this is the best bit. Oh, oh. Nine punch out numbered initiative cards to track the turn order. Yeah. Nine pieces of cards with the numbers one to nine on them. Um takes you right, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> I mean I, I've been running Savage Worlds for like the past, I don't know, three, four months. So having cards to track initiative seems entirely reasonable to me. And you only need to do them at once. But I think they've sold us cards with numbers one to nine on them before. I just oh, they've how sold- many cards with numbers one to nine on them I need. Well, stop buying them. <laughs> <laughs> how many people would keep up with those cards from the previous sets? Well, maybe you and do these cards have new artwork. Well, maybe you can join them together. So you've got one to nine. 
but there's no but zero. Different font. So you, you can join them together wow. to make double-digit numbers, but you can't do any number with a zero in it. And you can't start from zero like you would if you were properly counting. No. I don't know. Anyway, that that is a thing that they announced, and that's coming out later this year. So I spotted this on Geek Native. You're a big <laughs> fan of character sheets, Peter, so I thought I'd share this with you. I'm a big fan of well-designed character sheets. Yeah. So these are... Uh, I'm going, to, I'm going to stick a link here in the chat so you guys can see it because it's a Ooh, yeah. it's pretty visual thing, this, which is perfect for a podcast, obviously. So these are medieval-style D&D 5e character sheets, and they're very, very pretty. Oh, but they appear to be written in modern English. Well, yes. But anyway, yeah. what, do you, what do you think, okay. though? I mean, do they, look, do they look pretty or...? They do. I love the circular design of the center. I love, I we that, almost yeah. used something similar to that with Haunted West. It was one of the initial design concepts. I think, uh, was it Numenera that does that as well? I think. I think so. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But um, yeah, I, I love that circular design as well. Mm. So for people who can't see it, people listening to the podcast, the very mm. centre of the character sheet is a circle. And then your ability scores around the edge of the circle. And then things related to each ability score are like in sections of the character sheet coming off in those directions. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's not bad. It would probably be a bit hard for a screen reader to make sense of. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it might have accessibility issues. I'll give you that. I'll yeah. give you that. But if you're um, after a, a very pretty sort of ornate-looking character sheet and you don't have any accessibility requirements, that, I think, is a nice-looking sheet. Huh. And also, it's a bit odd because it's got deck strength con into his car, Prisma, mm-hmm. as opposed to strength dex con. Well, no, if you go strength. down from the top, so strength is at the top centre, then dexterity yeah. and constitution, left and right. Then intelligence, intelligence charisma. charisma. Yeah, that know. one goes a bit wonky at the bottom, I suppose. Yeah, <laughs> it goes wonky whichever way around you read it. Yeah, so, okay. yeah. Ah, I mean, it's not bad. Um, medieval stuff. I mean, uh, what else? The font is, font is nice and readable in mm. general, so that's nice. It looks like it should be a edible PDF, an editable PDF. Edible. An edible PDF. All PDFs are edible if you try <laughs> hard enough for us. Peter has just invented the ability to email food to people. Well, I, I'm actually I'm actually an infobore by nature, so you know, not all of this will be equally edible for everyone. I've got some bad news, by the way. Oh no, what's happening? It's about premium colour books from Drive Through RPG. That's the sort of print offer they have, yes. I think. Yeah, so if yeah. you're buying print books off Drive Through RPG, they're all print on demand and there are mm. two quality levels. There's standard mm. and there's premium. Yeah. Or as we like to call them substandard and what Ooh. normal what you would expect Ooh. from a book. <laughs> Oh, oh. Premium, premium is basically what the, what you would normally expect from a book. Well, I hope the poor drive through fellow isn't listening to this podcast. <laughs> that, that was very cool. Well, I mean, <laughs> right. I mean, drive through. To be fair, drive through is thinking about switching print partners. Oh, so okay. this is this is this isn't just me. This is hmm. you know drive drive through thoughts as well. So. Okay. Um, they've just announced that as of July the 1st, the, the price of premium book is going to increase and not just yeah. increase, they use the word dramatically. It's going to increase dramatically. I don't know how much by, right. but you're going to be paying a lot more for your uh, premium quality books from Drive right. RPG. Um, they, about 30% more? I don't know. I don't know how much, maybe. Wow. As someone that's working with printers right now, I can tell you that due to the past mm-hmm. year or so, all printing prices have definitely increased. They're around anywhere from 20 to 40% higher. Ouch. Ouch. Lucky. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I don't think I've had a done, done an offset print run since before the pandemic. So I've got no idea yeah. how that's affecting those. Mm. But this, I don't think it's pandemic related. This, I think this is a long-term thing. They're so, trying to improve quality. It sounds like. Well, um, the thing is, it looks like the quality isn't going up. It's just the oh. price. 
okay. Bold move. Yeah. So yeah. they, um, while they're currently staying with Lightning Source, with a company they use for printing, they are considering looking for alternatives. Okay. Yeah. I don't blame them, to be honest. No. And also, there's other problems with Lightning Source. And just to, because other print on demand services, you can usually get a proof copy on its way out to you within about 24 hours. Mm. If you use like Amazon's one or something like that, it is pretty mm. quick. Yeah. Whereas with Lightning Source, it could take, it is, I always say it's like 1D 12 days. You have no idea how long it's going to take. It could be the next day. It could be two weeks later. Fair enough. But, fair you know, enough. So you know, um, I think I think uh, is kind of a bit frustrated with that as well. Yeah, because a lot of publishers have you know direct their frustrations at Drive. I, I mean, I could I could see that because I got my copy of Worlds Without Number mm. and I accidentally left like a small mark on the back of it mm. because I could not get into the packaging. And then like two days later, the Spy Game turned up. And that one was so much easier to get into. Right. It's just like it just—it's just like a quality of life issue. And it's not at the end of the day a big deal, but it's just a bit annoying. Do you know were, I mean? they, were they both drive through? I know one was drive through, the other was someone else. I'm right. like, well, Good. you know, that that put me in the mind. Well, maybe I don't want to buy any more from drive through in that respect. But I didn't want to make a thing of it. So like, it's just a tiny, tiny little mark. Yeah. But on the other hand, it's it's a mark on the yeah. thing I just got. Well. You know, maybe drive through are going to switch to a different company. Maybe not. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Yes. More more when I find out. Would you like to hear in the meantime about yeah. some of the stuff that Paizo announced at their at PaizoCon last weekend? Oh boy, would I? Um so every year at PaizoCon, um yes. obviously it's a little different this year because of pandemics, so there was a lot of virtual mm-hmm. elements to the to the yeah. um, convention. But every year at PaizoCon they have this big banquet. Ooh. And at this banquet they do a big keynote speech mm-hmm. with a big slide projector and they announce all their plans for the next year. So it's always a big, big, big info dump. So um, and there's, there's too much of it to just go through here, but there's there's some highlights, I guess. Yeah. So we have got a look at the cover of Guns and Gears, which is coming out in October 2021. Ooh. Big hardcover like book. A sort of a steampunk style yeah. thing for yeah. Pathfinder? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So we've got um, the Gunslinger class. Ooh. Uh, along with the inventor class. Ooh, nice. We have a array of new gunpowder weapons. Mm-hmm. We have steampunk style clockworks, constructs, and mechanical items. Okay. We have inventions of vehicles, mechanical familiars, prosthetic limbs, and more. It uh, sort of feels like they're going for a wild, wild west approach to things. Yeah. Uh, that's very yeah. popular. That's yeah. a very popular set of ideas nowadays, isn't it, Chris? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. This uh, we also got to look at the cover cover art for this book as well. And yeah. the cover art is uh, by Wayne Reynolds, and he yeah. always kind of shares his original cover art publicly for people to have a look at. Now, someone pointed something out about this, which once they pointed it out, I can not unsee. Mm-hmm. But okay. is it, I mean, it's so, a lovely piece of art. Yeah. So we've got sort of um, for the listeners at home who may not have seen this, we have what looks like a foundry. Uh, there's various large uh, cogwheels. Um, what we looks got a fire like fire giant? Yes, yes, I guess that must be a fire giant. There's um, uh, what looks like a, a ton for what I'm going to infer must be molten steel. And there's some very small people who are climbing it. Well, yeah. climbing it backwards. I mean, they're sort of like hanging off it. I don't know. Are they having a conversation? Are they having a fight? Uh, no, I think, they're, I think they're, they're having a fight. The, the large pointy sword 
wooded herb islands. Yes. However, right. however, Chris, I'm going to show you. I'm going to tell you something. Once you see this, you will not be able to unsee it. So look at that. Look at that sword. Now imagine mm. that cross guard bit is his finger. It really looks like what he's actually doing is giving them a stern lecture mm. rather than holding a sword. I mean, that does actually look one, two, three, four. That would be his fifth finger, though, in <laughs> fairness. Um, and that would be in the four fingers and a thumb model. So hey, he's a fire giant. Who knows? Uh, well, yeah. Like, yeah could be <laughs> that would be what we, their gunslinger and their inventor would probably be the... I'm guessing the four figures. So they've got like a little imp next to their clockwork clockwork psychic. Yeah. Is that like an arm mounted cannon on the right arm of the gunslinger there? Is that am I is that what I'm seeing? Uh, I I think that's more of a blunderbuss that the character's holding. And the inventor, I think, has one of the prosthetics that you were right. saying is yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's got okay. a, it looks like yeah. a, a prosthetic arm with chains coming off the end of it. I, th- no, I think he's grabbing onto the chain. Oh, he's grabbing he's onto the, the chain. Right, gotcha, gotcha. Yes, gotcha, yeah. gotcha, yeah. It, I mean, it's a very striking image, but, like, working out the details is obviously taking a bit more intellectual effort. Mm. <laughs> well, that's great, because you want that when someone's cruising by the store. They'll stop, they'll see it, and they'll look at it and try to figure everything out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, watch, I do like covers that you look at and then the next time you look at it you see some more detail that you hadn't noticed first time yeah but but i i must say there's a there's, there's very definitely a woman screams at cat sort of vibes especially if you misinterpret the cross guard as a finger yeah <laughs> <laughs> i can i can only see that as a finger now it just looks like he's he's just telling them off <laughs> and then they're looking like saying, do what? that again <laughs> Find me on that. It's very dangerous. You might get hurt. <laughs> get off that at once. He's giving them a health and safety lecture. <laughs> Climbing Fire ladders in boundaries. Firejarts are well known for their like OSHA and HSE compliance. It's yes. just part of how they are. <laughs> It's why I always bring armor. Think about hmm. PPE. So anyway, that was they're quite litigious. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's a fire giant lawyer. That was. <laughs> anyway, that's not not the only thing that um, was previewed at the price oh, of yeah. thing. So we also had the uh, cover for Secrets of Magic. So they've been they announced the Secrets of Magic book before, mm-hmm. and I think we mentioned it on the show before. So this has the Majors and the Summoner in it, hundred odd new spells, alternative magic systems, rune magic, blood magic, soulbound weapons, a whole load of a whole load of magic stuff. Right. Um, yeah. But also, what I find interesting about this is, and I will show mm-hmm. you this one as well, they've deviated from their standard cover design. Mm-hmm. They've got this kind of border going around the edge, which looks lovely. You see what I mean? This oh, filigree okay. thing going around the edge. Um, I if you scroll down to Secrets of Magic, it's the second. Ah, yeah. Sorry, I was I was I was looking at the picture of the lady and the dragon imp having a like an ice cream. Um, <laughs> I don't think that's an ice cream. Well, it's obviously some kind of sorbet for us. I mean, just like there. You've got straws in it and everything. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, so Secrets of Magic. Yeah. yeah. So Secrets yeah. of Magic down there. So it's a gorgeous cover. I really like it. I really like the filigree design around the edge of it. Yeah, that is interesting. Oh. <laughs> anyway, uh, the, other, the yeah. other big thing they announced was the Book of the Dead. Yes. So this is annotated by the Ghost King Geb, the undead tyrant of the Impossible Kingdoms. Yeah. The Impossible Kingdoms. Love the sound of that place. Yeah. Uh, so this is an in-depth treatment on battling the restless undead and gory details on how to be one. 
Oh, okay. Why would anyone yes. want to be undead? You never look good. Just ask a lich. All that, all that well, rotting skin and... Ask a vampire. Yeah. Oh, vampires look good, to be fair. No, you're right, you're right. It depends on the type of vampire. Some vampires... Well, maybe they're not as vain, Russ. Maybe they're not as vain. Um, and think of doing you saving food bills. Um, yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. suppose so, yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, anyway, so yeah. Book of the Dead. So that's coming out March 2022. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's interesting that they highlight it as being annotated by the Ghost King Geb in that it's kind yeah. of like, it's a maybe, you know, like Wizards of the Coast always have somebody's guide to something, yeah, yeah. which has been really successful for. So yeah, instead yeah. of like Monster Manual 2. Yeah, they've got a narrator. Yeah, yeah. They have a, well, you've they got, got Samafar saying, ha invisibility, yeah. works for everyone, except you yeah. chumps. <laughs> yeah, but this reminds me a little of that, if this book is like mm-hmm. annotated by Geb, Geb the Ghost yes. King. Yes. King Geb. It's not so a the kingly name, Geb. The the book under it. Mm. Uh, I may know someone that that wrote on that book. Ooh, absolutely. Like, could be on this podcast right now. Yeah, city block. Oh, did you write on that? I did. It, it's my uh, my one foray in the Pathfinder. Wow. Can you? Nice. Are you allowed to share what you wrote? Is that? Or is I am so not bad? sure. We won't we won't tell anyone. It'll just be between us. This whole podcast format. Just you know. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. Recording uh, light is on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're writing on Absalom City of Lost Omens. So Absalom is a place in yes. Hilaria. Yeah. It, it is a place. There there are people. There are events that occur. This, there, this, are, is, this is the in, this is that in-depth treatment that we expect on this podcast. <laughs> I, I, there's, I, I, there's magic about undead. Yeah. I mean, they've so, got a cover which has got some sort of argorable, looks like it's got like a horse's skull for a head and then some sort of muscled, skinless human body that it's attached to. And who are those people with the funny hat? Hmm. It's oh, so like Ab- so murder Absalom. smurfs. I can, tra- I can tell you what Absalom yeah. is. So Absalom is okay. a city... Yes. In Golarian, in Pathfinder. Yes. Um, it's been around for about 4,000 years. It is no. referred to as the city at the center of the world. And it's like one of the biggest, most important cities in the entirety of Pathfinder, maybe the biggest. I mean, city. a 4,000 year old city is just, that's just crazy length of time to be around. Yeah. I realize it's like small change on the fancy writer's scale. But if yeah. you actually think about history, it's like, 4,000 years yeah. is a really, seriously long time. It's That's like, almost as old wow. as Milton Keynes, isn't it? <laughs> Get out. <laughs> <laughs> no, no UK listeners have any idea what they're talking about, but I won't worry about it. <laughs> but that's, that's absolute, anyway. So it's a, it's a big sort of uh, metropolitan, multicultural um, yes. melting pot. It's like, is it, to be fair to say, it's like Pathfinder's New York or something, I guess, in a way. When they release it, I'd be happy to talk about it. Uh, when are they releasing it? Where's that? Where's that page gone? Doesn't say. Uh, doesn't say. Great. Okay. Yeah. I don't know when they're releasing it. They're, 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 they'll bring it out at some point. Well, they've probably got oof, maybe 2022. It looks like. I'm going to click on one of those links and try and delve in and find out. Absalom. Ditto for Absalom. Or something. Like oh. No, it literally doesn't say. I don't know when it's coming out. They also have the Mwangi Expanse. Yes. Which, yeah. 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 We, yeah, we that amazing people wrote on that. Yeah, when, when, when they announced that, we covered that last year. But yeah, that did, really did you write on that as well, Chris? Or? No, some, some okay. amazing so, people no. wrote on that. Oh, part. amazing people. Okay, not like you. Okay. <laughs> no. You I, 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 I am just a, a humble plebe trying to get by. Oh, bless you. But the Mwangi is their sort of African-themed yeah, um, there's a lot of parrots. African-inspired um, yeah. setting, isn't it? Do we know when that's coming? They, uh, it's they on pre-order. It. They announced it last <laughs> year, so it can't be can't be long. It's got to be sometime mm-hmm. soon. Yeah. Uh, 
it looks like July is when oh, uh, oh, really soon then. expected pre-order. Yeah, yeah, really soon. Well, yeah. well, well I, I think it's sort of the time for it because it's catching the zeitgeist. What with Motherland's RPG, mm. uh, they they are still cracking on, aren't they? Mm. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Mm. What? Anyway, that that's all, oh. there is there is other stuff that Pfizer oh. announced, but they, it, yes. it's so much stuff. Uh, I'm not gonna because we, we we spend like an hour listing all, so I'm not gonna go. Yeah. Through. So those are big. Those are big highlights. We'll catch them when they come a bit closer to the time. Yeah, that? yeah, yeah. I think, uh, yeah, if you head on over to Paizo's website, mm. they actually have um, an article entitled Paizo Keynight Revolution, not Revolutions, Revelations, mm. where they list everything. So you can pop yes. over to there and just read through all of them. Ga- uh, some Starfinder stuff, Galaxy Inspiration mm. Manual, Tech Revolution. See, mm. there was revolution on there somewhere. There we go. Nice. <laughs> some Starfinder adventures, some Pathfinder adventure paths, uh, Pathfinder board games even. So there's a whole load of stuff there. Ooh. So uh, there is a free quick start adventure for Dune or June or June adventures in the Imperium, depending on how you pronounce that word. Ah, yes. This is the version from the Deepest that's come out. Yes. Yes. So the quick start adventure is called Worm Sign. Nice. Uh, You can pick it up for free. It sends player characters beyond the shield wall to locate a group of smugglers stealing your house's spice. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> so I guess get savvy. Um, another self plug. So I, I wrote on Dune. Um, I wrote probably about twenty to thirty thousand words, I think, for Dune. And if I think everyone should go check it out and definitely give Modifus a shout because trying to tackle Dune and put it into a playable RPG format is <laughs> so a, a monumental task. Dune is yeah. out, so you are allowed to talk yeah. about that one. This is yeah. one thing you are yeah. allowed to talk about. So can, you, <laughs> can you tell us what you wrote in Dune? Um, I covered some of the different equipment. I yeah. actually wrote the entire sort of history of hum- of humanity yeah. and some other pieces. So you like were... charting the history of humanity from the beginning all the way up to the current time when we start playing and the Mintax and some other things. Are you a, are you a Dune fan? Are you... uh, I've, I've read a number of the books yeah. and they're interesting and I like them, but there are some inherent problems in the material itself. Right. And, and, and of course, the uh, the 80s movie as well, which is slightly problematic, especially when you see Sting in his underpants, which is... But <laughs> what? It's, it's I, a I, I think so. That's it all I know about the film. Sense. I haven't seen the film. All I know about it is there's Sting You haven't seen the film. You haven't read the book. Really you're, you're, you're the least qualified person to talk about <laughs> it. Honestly. Like, I, all I can do is share what I know, and that's all I know. Did you do you like David Lynch? Lynch? Uh, not really, to be fair. Uh, then you will not know. like the 80s no, movie. It is, no. it is pure Lynchian. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to watch a new one this year. I, I suspect that will be more hmm. to my tastes. Yeah, I, I quite liked it. I think he did have to cut it down from 10 hours to a two-hour theatrical release. So there's a lot of elusive storytelling where you have to fill in the blanks yourself, hmm. which I personally quite enjoyed, but I can see that other people might not. Right, right. Anyway. Well, I think his original cut that he wanted to release was about three, three and a half hours, and the studio yeah. made him cut it down to about two hours. Yeah, yeah. It, it was it was literally ahead of its time. It came out in what 1980, and like in two, in fact, even before 2000, like sometime like 1997, like you had the English Patient come out at three hours long, and that was like you know started start setting the standard. And then after that, you've got more and more three, even four. Hour, well, I don't think we've hit four hours in the cinemas just yet. That is definitely in need of an intermission. Justice League. Four hours. I think even before Legends no, no, Justice League, they were trying to get four hours. 
Mm-hmm. It's not been in Justice League, the four-hour version wasn't in the cinemas, though, was it? Was it not? I thought oh, it was in no. the cinemas. Oh, okay. Fair enough. No. Anyway, I was talking about this uh, quick starter adventure. Anyway, uh, quickly. Yes. It includes the basic <laughs> rules you need to play, yeah. six pre-generated characters, and a brief mm-hmm. overview of the setting along with the adventure. So it's everything you need for free. Yeah. You can pick right. it up and start playing June right now. Nice. Or And if you like that, you can then pick up the core rule book. Uh, it'll cost you $19.99 for the PDF, and the hardcover is $59.99, and that's getting the stores like imminently, I think. Definitely. And they have some beautiful covers for it. Mm. Oh. Yeah, well, yeah the, art, the artwork throughout this entire project is stunning. Yeah. Gorgeous. Yeah. Right. Uh, we might be nearing the end of the news. You'll be glad to hear. Just I don't think we had a lot more news. We were just having a lot more fun with it this week. Yeah. Can you, <laughs> can you guys think of any news that I may missed from this week. Oh, crikey. Uh, do you have any um, co-creators? I think or? Into the Motherlands is over $200,000. It's doing really well. It's still bagging right it's now. Doing it's incredibly well. And it's got what? That is a, a free plug is I get no money from. Please go <laughs> back it. Yeah. yeah. It's got it's got like two weeks left to go as well, I think, hasn't it? So, think so. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm really interested to see how well it does. Oh, 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 oh. uh, $238,000. That's a hundred, uh, basically £169,000. And about 50, 50 of those $238,000 are from me. That's right. Yeah. And I think that is the end of the RPG news for the week. It's time to play our favourite game. It's time to play the game. Our favourite game in all the world. Guess the Kickstarter from just the name. I think it's time that we played our favourite game in all the world. The game where I read out the name of a Kickstarter and you try and guess what it is from just the name. Right, so that's name and the rules recap. Yes. This is at least sufficient that way. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Chris, you've played this before, so I don't need to explain how it works Twice to you. Twice before. Yeah, do, do, you recall who, do you recall who won? We each won one. How's that? Oh, oh well, there we go. This is going to be the one that determines the true victor. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> the stakes <laughs> are suddenly <laughs> gone high. <laughs> okay, who would like to go first? Uh, for me? Oh, well, thank you. That's That's All right, then, Peter. Yeah, hit me. What have you got? Are you ready? Yes. What is the Bard Chronicles? How are you spelling that second word? Chronicle. As in chronicle. I'm spelling how Chronicles, chronicles is spelled. The, the, and oh, then bard. that's the first bard. word. Yes. Bard, as how Bard is spelled. Bard. Bard. Like as fighter. In the D&D Wizard. Bard. Bard. Okay. Yes. As opposed to the window is Bard. Oh, I see. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't even... <laughs> Chris is literally got his head in his hands. I know Chris is I, I don't believe I'm talking to these idiots. He's <laughs> oh, oh, okay, fine. All right, fine, fine. Yeah, there is. <laughs> the, all right, the Bard Chronicles and Bard as in the D&D character class Bard. Okay. And Chronicles um, as in Chronicles. Hmm. And the as in the. The definite article. Yes, as, as in the definite article. Oh, thank you, Russ. Thank you for <laughs> explicating that to me. I really not, appreciate not, 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 not a definite article, the definite. How do you consider, rather than going for too little, too much information, perhaps finding some sort of middle ground? <laughs> just just come, on, come on. What's your guess? What's your guess, Peter? Hmm. Well, um, my first instinct upon seeing this sort of thing would be to assume that it was a uh, fictional series, as in um, a series of fantasy books that one might pick up in the bookstore uh, and read quite happily. But I guess we're doing an RPG product. so RPG-related. RPG-related. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> it's just walking all over the shop here. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm just watching that. It, uh, that that's what we I mean, you're going to love it. I can tell you, you're going to love it when you find out what it is. But uh, a, let's see what you guess. A reverse ferret. 
So, yeah, so the Bard Chronicles, okay, fine. Um, let's have a fantastic. I would hope this would be a um, a series about uh, a collection of short stories about bards and uh, with a variety of different writers involved. And they've got uh, the common theme of what on earth is a bard getting up to and having different te- different explications and different sort of variations on um, the bard in D&D. Like, how does creativity and the expression of uh, magic through performance work and then go from that. That would be an excellent Kickstarter. I would be very excited to read that sort of book. It probably isn't, but that's what I'd be excited about. Yeah, sadly you cannot read that sort of book because that's not what it is. However, do you know what this one is, Chris? Have you heard of this one? Yes. No, but my guess is... Oh, oh, oh. oh, oh, oh. It is going to be a player's aid book that has a number of different spells and song selections for a bard and why they're the best class to play. I think you're even further away than, than uh, I don't want to call you Chris, Beth, Peter. Getting you too confused now. Um, I'm even further really away, my name right, Beth. Yeah, out too. Even, even further away than Peter was. So uh, what the Bard Chronicles oh, wow. is, is a Dungeons & Dragons rap album. And not, like I said, neither of you saw that coming. <laughs> well, this is not my impressed face, I can see that. <laughs> um, so this is a rap album with 11 tracks by yeah. somebody called Dizzy Roseblade from Pennsylvania. Okay. It's told from the perspective of, uh, like, an adventuring party as they make yeah. their way from level one to, I'll read how they pronounce, uh, uh, speak about it, as they oops their way from level one to, like, not much higher than that, probably, but they're going to feel like they're level 20 badasses by the end. Do they list any of the song tracks by name? Uh, let me scroll through this. Uh, no. No, they do not list, I believe, any of the soundtracks by name yet. It it feels like they've got a lot of stuff ready and they're just trying to get the money together to record it. Is that right? Possibly. So um, so this person is uh, a photographer and filmmaker, also a musical composer, digital painter, rapper, gamer, and part-time Raymond connoisseur. Raman connoisseur. Awesome. So, yes. so, if, so clearly, clearly a person with a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. If, uh, if, if, if a D&D rap album has been missing from your life, you yeah. can't really go wrong here. So this has still 26 days to go and it's nearly fun, uh, funded. So it's going to fund. Nice. Okay. Nice. Yeah. But sadly, um, sadly, Peter, you get no points back. That's fair. You were miles away. Right then, so I do believe it is Chris's turn. Go, Chris. Scrolling through. Okay. Um, you I'm, hoping, do it. I'm hoping you don't know what this one is because I've seen Facebook ads for this, so you might have seen it, but let's, let's hope not. Uh, what is a red sky? One word. Um, if it makes you feel better, I don't know what it is. Good, good. So uh, I'm going to assume it is not a remake of Red Dawn starring Thor. <laughs> so let's go. It's going to be a historical role playing game where you fight communists. It's got to be something different, though. Um, not superheroes. Uh, communist superpowered mecha. <laughs> yes. Uh... I, I would personally have gone with something like Red Skirt Night, Shepherd's Delight. So it's the role playing game <laughs> that's set, that takes place purely during uh, sunny days. Yeah, no. Alternatively, <laughs> it's like there's more dragons they've set everything on fire and causing sky to go red. Neither of which I'm sure is correct. Yeah, so, so what, what this actually <laughs> is, is a, a D&D 5th edition science yes. fantasy setting. 
It has sentience, mechanics, monsters, and rich lore in a science set inside a science fantasy world shape. I, I mean, I think I think it sounds a lot like three points. Point three points simply for the mecha tie-in to their science-based game. <laughs> science fantasy uh, world shape. I guess so. I guess so. Yeah, I mean, we've got I, six. I mean, if this isn't gay space communism, I don't know what is. I don't need to mention communism in a feature, sorry. It's right now in the title, man. Come on. Read between the lines. <laughs> Read between the lines. No, I'm reading the actual lines is what I'm doing. He <laughs> doesn't. <laughs> so this is six... Who cares about facts anymore? <laughs> this is six unique playable sentient species. Uh, unique elemental alignments. I'm not even sure what that is. An elemental alignment. It right. affects everything from character personalities to skills and attributes. Okay. Sounds like sort of astrology, but for D&D. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe okay. it's like Nephilim from the from like the 90s, where the Nephilim in the 90s in the book originally had sort of an element that they were linked to mm-hmm. that sort of changed different aspects of your character and how you interact. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Or it might be kind of like fire. If your elemental alignment is fire, maybe you're sort of quick and devious or something. Or sort of that like Everway like, sort of style. Or if it's thing. Earth, you're quite sturdy and solid. I don't know. I'm just making stuff like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is sort of your stock and trade. <laughs> well, yes. Um, well, there's also four brand new classes. Yes. And two overhauls of familiar classes. Not classes oh, for nice. familiars, but, fami- but classes with which you are familiar. Uh, right. some, so rangers are getting some love then. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> uh, some rare elder tech weapons and artifacts and dozens of new monsters. And it's all D&D for edition compliant. Science fiction as well. Hmm. Well, I still haven't got run around to running Esper Genesis. So I, really I found, I found the elemental there. alignment bit. I scrolled down and oh. instead of reading between the lines, I decided to read the actual lines and I found it. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> So elemental things brings you information. <laughs> so elemental dualism is a unique alignment system that shapes yeah. how characters and their societies interact in Dima, which is the name of the world. These mm-hmm. three spectrums inform personalities and faction traits. And so we've got emotional, and then at one end it's got water, and at the other end it's got fire. Mm-hmm. And we've got intellectual, and at one end it's got earth, and at the other end it's got air. And then we've got social, and at one end it's got ether, and at the other end it's got void. So that is the elemental alignment system. Right. Uh, so we got the sentient species of the Night Riders. Kit. It, feel, That's it feels a bit Kit. like Michael Knight. Myers. <laughs> I, I was wrong. It's not astrology. It's my. It's the Myers Briggs Index for D and D. Is it? <laughs> um, you know, like INTJ and EF. Oh yeah, yeah. I've never, I never understood. Anyway, uh, so the species you got night riders. Yes, which are obviously based on um, David Hasselhoff. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> We're all on the same page here. All right, go. <laughs> We've got the wake walkers. Oh, so Baywatch for uh, David Hasselhoff. <laughs> all right, so these are all for David Hasselhoff. <laughs> We've got the feather folk. Come on, you cannot find a Hasselhoff link there. So the Guardian of the Galaxy. <laughs> Was he in Guardians? He had a brief snippet of a cameo in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Because really? why oh. wouldn't he? <laughs> oh, that's three Hasselhoffs. Uh, yeah. Spore spawn. Ooh. Ooh, tricky. That's this modicorn. The archivist. Rule. Okay. And the Archivists. humans. Of course, there's okay. absolutely no link between David and Hasselhoff as a human. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Only because he's like a superhuman. He's, uh, <laughs> okay. He brought down the Berlin Wall, don't you know? Uh-oh. Or so uh, he okay. claims. 
That, that's what he says. Well, that, is what he says. Him. <laughs> that is what he says. <laughs> uh, so the new classes yep. are, so we've got uh, four new classes and we've got six revised classes. So we've got the fighter, which is one of the revised classes, sage, okay. uh, the hunter, mm-hmm. the emissary, the wordsmith, and the rogue. Agreeing. Yeah. So right, that's Red Sky for you. Yes. Um, it's doing pretty well. It's done, let's have a look, it's done 35000 of a $10,000 goal, and it's got two weeks left to go. Ooh, very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Good for them. Good for them. Yeah. Okay, Peter, your turn again. Oh, yes, we'll play a oh, game. Well, points-wise, so uh, you said you said you thought you deserved three points, I think, did you there, Chris? No, no, I, I said point three. As point it, three. Was oh, oh. it was tangentially related. <laughs> Well, let's say three points. Yeah, that's, the, that's the rules of the game. If you mention any number in your... That's uh, <laughs> how many points you get. <laughs> Peter's thinking now. No. How can I turn this to my advantage? How? If only I could think of some tactic. Very easily. <laughs> All right, Peter, are you ready? Let me. Dawn of the Necromancer. I would have thought necromancers really don't like dawn. Well, that's really seem like nighttime kind of people. Yeah, yeah. Well, it can't be dusk as a necromancer. Dusk. It should be dusk. Something, right? There's no reason why you can't be a necromancer and you do your business at noon. Yeah, people aren't expecting it for a start. That's true. Uh, Anyway, what is Dawn of the Necromancer? So Dawn of the Necromancer is, um, I want to say, like a sequel to Crypt of the Necrodancer, which is a computer game where you have to press the keys to move in time to the music and you're going on a dinner crawl. I think that's like probably isn't that. (laughs) I I said that's what I wanted to say. I didn't say that's what I thought it was. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What I think Dawn of the Necromancer is, is I think it is... Um, I don't know. It's like it feels like it should be a adventure path, which is following a uh, necromancer, and you are. Oh, it is uh, sort of maybe a system setting where you are necromancers, and you are set up to uh, rise up and help free the world from the tyranny of the working week, and leave all the manual labour to undead um, automata to do all like the hard stuff like you know and thus bring forth a revolution of uh liberty creativity and just a chance to just chill out relax not have to work very hard whilst the fast legions of undead do all the tough manual labor bits um except the vested interests that, that uh of like the feudal system that is currently in place are out there to stop you so there you go it's a game about revolution um and helping people rise up through the power of necromancy. No, it's not. No. <laughs> <laughs> it is, in fact, a 1 to 20 DD 5th edition campaign where you are pitted against a necromancer. <laughs> Oh, okay. It's the most obvious answer that it could possibly be. <laughs> so uh, levels one to twenty. Um, it's in a setting which is like a medieval European setting that worships the Greek gods, oh, but it's but it's not Greece. It's a, a high fantasy setting called Argomir. Argomir. Uh, yeah, and it's a sandbox style adventure. Sandbox style adventure. Mm. One to twenty. Mm-hmm. Setting Argomir. Mm-hmm. Against the Necromancer. Against the Necromancer. Well, against the Necromancer. Clues in the yeah. title. So, um, yeah, again, no points, Pete. This is not a high-scoring game. Oh, never mind. <laughs> so you've got no points. Chris yeah. has three, and it's Chris's turn. So all Chris has to do is not score minus three points. Yes, or minus four points. 
Or minus four. Although I do have quite a disturbing good record if it comes to draws. So yeah, <laughs> just right down there. Okay, let's go with Gryo's Guide to the Wildlands. How are you spelling Gryo? G R I O. Where are the wildlands located? Where are they? What? Uh, that's for you. That's for you. That's for you to work out. <laughs> um, let's just go that it's a a supplement for five E that focuses on a new terrain for your party to go and adventure in to highlight the ranger class. It's kind of halfway there, I think. So it is for 5e. Yeah. I is... think it's sort of um, like an African-inspired thing, and the Gryo is sort of, as I recall from my ill-fated flirtation with Soul and Sorcerer books, is like sort of a storyteller. Uh, uh, I can't remember which, which part it's from, so that's sort of what it feels like. Is that anyone close? Uh, it's, it's not that either. Uh, it's, uh, uh, it's basically a uh, wilderness toolkit book. The D&D okay. fifth edition. So it has a whole bunch of different hazards and wilderness environments, uh, backgrounds, skill challenges. Just uh, a big, big old book of stuff to enhance the exploration pillar of your game. Isn't that what Chris just said? Uh, How's that uh, halfway there? <laughs> I'm confused. All right, crack on. Oh, well, I was right. he, was, he was about halfway there. So we're going to give him five oh. points out of ten for that. So that gives okay. him eight points in total. But oh, this, this book looks pretty good. I mean, it's kind of yeah. overlaps a lot on what we're doing with Level Up, I think. But mm. it's doing really well. It's um, approaching $60,000 of a $15,000 goal. Nice. Wow. 11 nice. days left to go. Yes. And it's like 200 pages. It's just a wilderness-based stuff, just to put yeah. into your into your five game. Oh, there is a big first for exploration and D and D. Yes, yeah, there is, there is. So I think we have to declare that Chris is the winner yes. of the third game, the definitive Woo. game, the deciding game, and yes. therefore the reigning champion of our favourite game in all the world. Oh, sorry, sorry. The game where I read out the name of a Kickstarter and you try and guess what it is. Chris, you get to take home the metaphorical trophy, a smug sense of self-satisfaction. I will keep that metaphorical trophy in my office and I will make sure that I am smug and overly content for all of my days. Yes. Yes. Phew, that was a close fight. I wasn't sure we were going to make it out of there alive. Aye, the dire weasel is a fearsome beast. One wrong move, and it'll have you. Dire weasel, my lord? Why, yes, young swire. This here was an example of the weaselous direst, or dire weasel. Much more dangerous than common or garden weasels. Oh, I have so much to learn. Dire weasels, oh my. Ah, that's just scratching the surface, young lad. The weasel, like many other critters roaming these lands, comes in many variations. Oh, would you tell me about them, my lord? Very well. Sit down, young squire. So, the first in the list, other than your regular weasel, that is, is the giant weasel. A giant weasel? This world's wonders have no bounds. But the giant weasel should not be confused with a monstrous weasel. Monstrous weasel? Right, got it. Or indeed, the dire weasel which we encountered today. Monstrous... Uh, my lord. What is it, young squire? I don't think I'm quite clear on the difference between a monstrous weasel and a dire weasel. Well, it is obvious, is it not? One is monstrous and the other is dire. Do pay attention, lad. Uh, yes, sir. Sorry, sir. Right. Now we move to the greater weasel. Large, greater, monstrous, dire? The dread weasel. The critical weasel. And the fiendish weasel. So many weasels, sir. 
And then, of course, you have the Colossal Weasel, the Jumbo Weasel, and perhaps most perilous of all, the Super Duper Weasel. This is all so confusing, sir. How do you tell the difference between them? It takes a lifetime of adventuring, young lad. A career filled with peril and loss. It will come to you of that, I am sure. It sounds quite alarming. Ah, yes. Let us not forget the alarming weasel. Nasty little critter. Of course, there are the combinations. Combinations, sir? Naturally, there is your greater dire weasel, your giant monstrous weasel, your giant dread weasel. Uh, My lord. Yes, lad. Forgive my impertinence, sir, but don't they all kind of mean the same thing? The same thing, boy? What are you drivelling about? Uh, Greater, monstrous, giant, dire. Aren't they all just big weasels? Big weasels? Well, I mean, yes, they are all big weasels, but there are small ones too. Smaller than a regular weasel, my lord? Exactly. I see you're getting it, lad. There is your lesser weasel, the miniature weasel, the minor weasel, the negligible weasel, and, least fearsome of all, the mild weasel. Oh, I see, my lord. And obviously you can combine these two. So there's the greater lesser weasel, the miniature giant weasel, and of course, the mild monstrous weasel. But aren't they all just regular weasels, sir? Well, yeah, I, I suppose they are, in a sense. It's just that it occurs to me that whoever came up with this classification system... The great explorer and noted weaselologist, Lady Gertrude of Bullhampton. Uh, may have a case of Thessaritis. Thessaritis? What are you gibbering about now, boy? All these varieties of weasels seem to be synonyms, my lord. Nonsense, boy. Thessaritis, indeed. I have never heard anything so absurd, ludicrous, senseless, irrational, ridiculous, outrageous, farcical, foolish, nonsensical, unbelievable, implausible, inconceivable, preposterous. Hey, so Peter, I was uh, I was walking down the road the other day and uh, I saw this bunch of really cool, good-looking people. Cool? Good-looking? That could only be our patrons. Yep. Man, I have never seen such a well-informed debonair bunch in all my life. Yeah, right. You know, why is that? I don't know. You tell me. Well, if I was forced to speculate, I guess it's because they listen to our top secret, super exclusive bonus episode every week. Bonus episode? What? Yeah. Each week, our patrons get an extra half hour or even more of extra content that nobody else gets to hear. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Where can they find this? Oh, it's pretty simple. You just head over to patreon.com slash Morris and pledge a monthly donation. Anything from a dollar to whatever you think we're worth. Huh, I did a, uh, a scientific calculation once just to see how much we're worth. Oh, yeah. How much? Uh, you probably don't want to know. Probably for the best. Anyway, if you, if you enjoy our podcast, please head on over to patreon.com slash Morris and, you know, just pledge a little. That's patreon.com slash Morris. And thank you so much for your support. We couldn't do this without you. I reckon we could.
I think uh, it's time to talk about Haunted West. <laughs> Let's definitely talk about... Is it the Haunted West, Chris? I've got that right. Uh, just Haunted West. But we could it's say Haunted the West. Haunted West if you wanted to. Or a Haunted oh. West, depending on how specific you wanted to be. Or, or it could be an Haunted West if I wanted to go all cocktail. So, yeah. Um, sorry. Yeah. That's so, sorry so, so, you, so you came on before. I think it was like last year, was it, when uh, Haunted West was in Kickstarter? Or was it the year before? 2019, Ooh. maybe, was it? I want to say it was 2019. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When... There was a, a dream that everything would work out perfectly, and that's before the real world gave us... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, did something oh. happen in 2020? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, yes. So, um, for, for those who didn't hear that previous Kickstarter, though, I guess a recap is in order. So, yeah. should, we, should, we, should we do that? What What is Haunted West? Um, Haunted West is a historical role-playing game that focuses on the voices of the Old West that are frequently overlooked. Their stories are purposely stolen or history that's been whitewashed. And I'm trying to like tell the actual history of the Old West. And at the same time, we're layering the Weird West on top of it. And if people want, I've also layered on an alternate timeline that we call Haunted West Reconstruction that talks about what happens if the reconstruction had actually worked and how that would change the course of the world. Okay. Uh, That's a quick 30 second. <laughs> a quick yeah. 30 second. So just a couple of things to touch on there. Though. So when you say weird West, yeah. to those not familiar with the with the term, what what, what does weird West mean? What is the, what is um, the weird West genre? Yeah. Uh, weird West is sort of when you take the, the Western genre and you infuse it with, it could be supernatural, it could be aliens, it could be the mythos nice. or different people. There isn't one specific definition for the Weird West since mm-hmm. it's so large and all it comes to. Right. Um, for us, our, my Weird West take is almost more focused on the alien aspects of it and there's supernatural that's also there. But for instance, even on the cover of the book art itself, we have this massive uh, gray alien ship that's mm-hmm. shining a light on the diverse cast of characters that we have. Nice. Do you have any giant mechanical spiders? Um, there are clockworks <laughs> in the game and there may be somewhere a giant mechanical spider that you could, I don't know, fight if you wanted to. <laughs> Maybe find a way to, to hack it and then ride around the countryside in it. There's also um, T-Rexes in the game, because oh. if you go back and you're reading anything, you have the Lost Valley, you have like all the T-Rexes and everything else. Hmm. And there's nothing grander than seeing like your, uh, your paragons ride on the horses away from T-Rexes while they're shooting back at them. Oh, wow. I love a team. Cowboys versus aliens versus dinosaurs. I'm liking how this is going so far. Yeah. Uh, versus vampires versus the mythos. Yes. Should I ask what the reconstruction is that you're talking about, or should I ah. Google that? Sorry, I've, I've lived in it now for, for so long. But I yes. work with the team so much, we say reconstruction, and everyone knows what it is. Yeah. Um, so what originally was going to happen is the reconstruction, the short, short version, is when they were going to restructure the government once the enslaved, once all the enslaved people were free, they needed to like sort of bring them into the government. The government needed to be restructured to handle social, political, and economic issues that were associated with it. Hmm. And at the same time, it was also a means to which the Confederates originally were supposed to have promised, uh, had like the ironclad oath, which was a promise that we swear that we'll never uprise and be traitorous, good for nothing, hmm. son of bitches again. Hmm. But with the assassination of Lincoln and Andrew Johnson ascending to president, and Andrew Johnson was an ardent racist, hmm. he sort of forgave all the Southerners if they would come and like bow the knee to him. And then he sort of became their puppet. Mm. And the Reconstruction was strangled quickly and it allowed the Confederates to reinstitute black law, black codes 
which were basically they some of them took their old enslavement codes and just yeah. changed the name from enslaved to openly black and they would reimpose those same codes on all the free people mm-hmm. and reconstruction if it had worked would have created a stable environment to fully introduce all the enslaved people and the government itself would have moved on in a more progressive inclusive manner is this sort of related to the thing where it was like a black person's vote was worth a black man's vote was only worth three-fifths of a white man's vote is that sort of thing it, it's Tangentially related to that, yes. Oh, okay. Sorry. But like, for instance, this, one of the first things it did was it gave um, black men the right to vote, mm-hmm. like a full-blown vote. And yeah. so it goes back to the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments. Yeah. Right. Which, you don't want a history podcast, so I'm not going to... I did ask in fairness, and it's like, it's important to... So it's sort of, if this attempt at creating a more equal society, not completely equal, because of course, I'm, if I recall correctly, women didn't have the vote at this point... Like, but you know, crazy, put, put a big push towards equality, which was neutered after the death of Lincoln. Is that essentially what I'm saying? If it had been successful, then what would the world have looked like then? Is that? And so for us, what, what we did is it didn't even have to be a massive change. One of the things I wanted to do was try to show you how history could be with like one small change. Yeah. And the biggest change that starts our timeline for that is going to be that Booth's assassination attempt was more successful, in fact. He oh. kills both the assassinates Lincoln and manages to kill Johnson. Right. And so then that elevates someone else into the role oh. instead of Johnson. Ooh. And so at the end, at the end of it, we'll say like by 18, late 1865, mm-hmm. our new president is um, Benjamin Wade. Yeah. So Benjamin Wade believed in women's rights, union rights, equality pretty much for everyone across the board and was adamant about how much he believed in it. So if you have Benjamin Wade as your president, and then you have the radical Republicans who, so there's a shift that happened. Originally, the Republicans were a progressive party that wanted to help people and have like a stronger government and like uplift people. Mm-hmm. And the Democrats at the time back then were the conservative party that was trying to pull everyone down. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. shifted. And so now you have Republicans as they are now in the Democrats. In one of the call-out boxes in the book, we sort of discussed that transitional change. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I have seen there was a lot of talk about, well, the Republicans ended slavery and the Democrats voted against it. But they always neglect They're that different. there was a factor. That basically, they swapped, they swapped journeys or something like half-time or yeah. something. It's like, I, hmm. oh, yeah. I, so, I can see it's confusing. <laughs> so how's, how's it going then? So it kickstarted in 2019, funded hmm. in 2019. Yeah. What's the current yes. status of the project? Yeah. Um, so due to um, COVID and other real-world events, we were going to release the book last year, yeah. but yeah. that didn't happen. So we're actually on target to release the book later this year. And we're currently doing a final round of edits, and then it goes into layout. Mm. Um, we've had multiple sensitivity readers, consultants on the book from all the different backgrounds, because we're telling a story that's all-encompassing about the shaping of America, which is a lot of different people's stories. Mm. And those stories aren't my stories to tell, which is also why I worked hard to have a very inclusive team. Yeah. And even then, I want to make sure that no matter how we do it, no one group of people is a model. So mm. even if someone else thinks that this is a great story about like telling about our our people and our understanding and our struggle, mm-hmm. it's not going to resonate with everyone. And so you want to try to be as inclusive as possible and make it as less triggering as we possibly can. Mm. And so that was one of the goals of the book that we worked really hard to do. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So 
I've seen, I uh, just want to touch on something that's maybe a slightly awkward subject. So I've seen a problem that uh, Into the Motherlands is dealing with a bunch of people saying, oh, yeah. I can't play this game because I'm white, which obviously is not true. But um, I remember when we spoke to you about Harlem Unbound, you talked quite a bit about that exact topic. And I think you, you actually put sections in the book to advise people that, you know, uh, wanted to wanted some advice on how to approach that topic mm. if they had a, if they had a different background um and you went into mm. quite a bit of depth in that in uh, in our conversation at the time mm-hmm. i don't know if you recall it was quite it was <laughs> a couple of years ago but well, yeah. um I, I did as that was one of the main goals of yeah. home unbound and a lot of my work is that if you approach playing a different group with respect and trying to understand it with understanding you should be able to play that. But you also need to understand that you're going to mess up. Mm-hmm. And when you mess up, you need to wholeheartedly apologize, mm-hmm. try to find out what you did wrong, and then try again. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. even if you screw up, that screw up is something that you need to learn from. It's not something where you stop and say, I'll never do this again. Mm-hmm. If they're, if everyone, if white people aren't playing games created by POC creators, mm-hmm. that is not going to allow those games and those companies and those POC people to earn money, mm-hmm. to publish, to be able to create more work and have more influence to change the entire spectrum of the system. Yeah. 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 And that's one of the goals I know of. I can't speak for all POC creators. I can speak for myself because yeah. I want to create work based on my experience. I want to yeah. be able to put it out for what I consider to be true. And I want yeah. everyone to come and play it. Mm. Yeah. And I want you to like stream it on Twitch. I want you to do all these things. So everyone sees these stories pull from someone that's lived that experience. Yeah. And then they'll tell their friends about it. They'll tell their friends, they'll be able to see it online and that'll sort of reinforce itself. And then that would allow me to continue to make more work like this. Yes. Yeah. If yeah. you're not going to play it, you buy it, you put it in your shelf. I get to make one book mm. and then I get to go home because no one's talking about it. No one's playing the work. Right. Right. Mm. Yeah. And in second edition, of Harlem Unbound, I specifically address that issue too. Because I had so many people come to me and say, Harlem Unbound is a great, brilliant book. I will never play it. Mm. It'll sit on my shelf forever. I can imagine that must be really, really frustrating to hear as well. Yeah. Uh, yes. Given you see how quickly I generate books because they deal with so much historical yeah. research, trying to find the right tone and to have someone tell me that they bought it, which is awesome. They yeah. bought it. But to then say that I'm not going to play it, I'm not going to talk to anyone else about it, that doesn't help with the mission or anything else it also seems like just from you can't really imagine if the book if a a role-playing game is basically all about european white medieval king arthur history or or something like that you don't you don't you don't see people of color coming along and saying i can't play this game do you just doesn't happen i i too had a lot of fun playing pendragon yeah exactly exactly (laughs) (laughs) why you know why would the question even exist in the opposite direction I think you had your podcast last year, didn't you? Last year, I was I tried to start my own Twitch channel because I want to like start running some of my own games and showing people all the work that we're doing. Right. right. And the first game I did was Harlem Bound. We ran two Harlem Bound games for two different charities that were actively sort of helping um, black people who are out protesting about the oppressive mm-hmm. government mm-hmm. and like the killing of black people. And mm-hmm. I think we raised over ten thousand dollars. Yeah. And a lot of that is thanks to my guests. Um, Quinn Murphy, Misha, Ariel, Jen, and Matt Mercer. Mm. 
Mm. Yes. And so they all came back. We ran two different games. And then I wanted to try to do something similar for Haunted West. Yeah. And I made all the characters. And Matt agreed to come back for like one show. I wanted to run a, a series of Haunted West scenarios, maybe like mm-hmm. one full scenario that'd be about four seconds. Right. Yeah. And for Haunted West, I've stressed that one of the things that I wanted to do for the game itself is there is a milestone table. Like we go for the milestone character creation mm-hmm. and different parts of your life you roll to figure out different things. Yeah. Or you can choose. Yeah. yeah. So life path and, type thing. Yeah. And one of them specifically is um, your back, you're like your background of where you came from. You might have been an enslaved person. You might have been black. You might have been Jewish, like an immigrant or Asian or from somewhere else. And all that's in the table. And when you roll, that's what you land on. Then you keep moving through. And Matt's character, when I rolled it, was going to be a Chinese immigrant. And I put out all the information and there it was not well received. Right. Because I put it up on Twitter as I was like promoting for the game. People were concerned about Matt playing an Asian character. Mm. Some people were concerned about like the character class that Matt was playing was going to be an academic. Mm-hmm. And they were afraid that it fed into a stereotype. Right. Mm-hmm. And some people accused some of the different players of yellow face. Someone accused one of the players of blackface, who was a black player playing a black character. How would you? Okay. And the people, thing is, people say things. Okay. Facing is a horrible, abhorrent thing, but it's mm-hmm. someone playing a character, a characterized version of a stereotype of a person. Mm. It's not someone in our group that would have been approaching the subject matter with care and respect. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So what was the resolution to this? Did, did, did it go ahead or did... did um... Um, no. Matt bowed out. Right. Well, Matt and I actually had a side talk and we both agreed that Matt should just bow out and I canceled the game. Right. Mm-hmm. I... Apologize because the intent of all this work is not to trigger anyone, but it is trying no. to like be a more exclusive thing for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, right. And, charity. And, and then I put right. everything. Well, this game wasn't for charity. That was the first okay. game to figure out what was working. Right. This right. game was just to try to like run the system so people could see how the system works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's important. And we paused everything. I went back and I wanted to make sure that I fully understood everyone's concern. I took two, like a month or two. Or just sort of thought about things and tried to go through everything. Mm-hmm. And after that, I posted, well, I think, one more Twitch where I got some of the group together and we sort of did like a walk through some of the character creations, show people how the character creation works. Mm-hmm. And since then, we have not done anything else on Twitch at this time. Right, right. Okay. Okay. The other thing is, since that incident, there's been two hugely, infinitely more successful than my Kickstarter was by people of color mm. that want other people to play people of color games, like yeah. Into the Motherlands and Coyote and Crow. And Crow's or by people of color. Yeah. The yeah. Incredible. That, two, was it $2 million mm. that one did? That really struck I don't know. I know, was, that one. I know it was over a million. Yeah. yeah. And those are by people of color yeah. that I'm assuming want other people other people of color and people and white people to play their games. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So, in so, streaming back to Haunted West, do you do you address that in the book like you did in Harlem Unbound? Is there is there a section devoted to that? Yes, we have. We included something about that, but we've also for this since it is such an all encompassing experience, we have an entire section called like history, um, like a pe- history of the old west, like the people of the old west, and in that we include all a lot of the different people that were in the old west and we include information about them before you come to the character creation section yeah so that gives you a chance to read about some of the different indigenous nations you can read about the black 
black people you can read about, Jewish immigrants you can read about, Chinese immigrants to the country, and it gives you a foundation to build a character with, to go into something with a better understanding and the ability to do things with a layer, with a level of sensitivity. Mm, yeah. One of the things is if we're asking you to do this, I want to make sure you have what you need to be able to do this to the best of your ability. Mm. Mm, mm. So I know you, just, you mentioned doing a couple of Twitch things earlier and not having done anything since, but I was thinking about mm. Into the Motherland's Twitch stream, which yeah. has been really successful. Mm. Um, I think, uh, was it like last year it started? Yeah, it's like November, have, something yeah. like that last year. Eugenio, mm. Eugenio Vargas came yeah. on to talk to us about it at the time. Mm. Um, and it was a large part of building up the excitement for Into the Motherland. So I was wondering if you were thinking mm. about sort of revisiting that again or maybe putting on some live shows or something to sort of build up um, the uh, build up the excitement and show, just show the game being played right now i'm just focusing on getting the book out which would be at the end of this year right so it'll be a year later than i wanted but yeah. people still get a chance to play it they'll get a chance to see it yeah yeah, yeah. so what's, what's what's support for the game looking like we've got adventures to look forward to expansions source books yeah. card decks so, special dice um we we have a Antagonist deck, we've got a historical folks deck, we've got a conditioning cards deck, so there are three different decks for the game already, yeah. which I'm not sure if you can see them on screen, but yeah, that's one of them, for instance. Ah, it looks shiny. And vast, I feel, because Kurt, one of the artists for the book, did some amazing work, mm. and I feel that Kurt should get a few shout-outs. Oh, yeah, I can see that, yeah. Vampire. Uh, oh, dear me, it was, it, was, it, was, it was so shiny. That, oh, there you go. That's like, that a photograph, though. Yeah. yeah. Those are the historical cards. So, oh. And there are already four adventures that were kick-started with it as stretch goals, so we were going to have those. Mm -hmm. You'll have the main core book that is going to be a, a monstrous tome of a book. Mm. Uh, the history section alone is over 30,000 words. Right. Wow. Then you have character creation that'll have a slew of tables and charts. You'll have uh, roughly the first five years of the alternate timeline just to play with and go with. Then you've got monsters and you've got an entirely new system that we've built called like the uh, Abora system, which has three different tiers of play. There's a standard, a standard level play that sort of is what you're used to with like all the different mechanics, all the mechanics and widgets. And you have a more narrative version and then a miniatures combat version. Mm. Mm. So are you, have you got thoughts of using this system again? Is this a, a foundation for future this, products? This is the, the Darker Studios universal system. Right. Okay. Nice. And, and you'll be able to tweak it per game setting. So are there, are there products already in your head? Um, so what I learned was, I learned a lot of things during Honor West. Um, Harlan Bound taught me how to make a book. Mm -hmm. Honor West taught me the industries, how the industry interacts with people creating books. Right. Which are two very different lessons. Okay. And as a, as a Black creator in this space, those are two important things to know that I had a chance to learn in real time. Mm. Right. Sounds like quite a tough experience yeah. to have learned that in real time. Yeah. That that's a whole nother. It sounds whole like other an expensive. Stuff. It sounds like an expensive right. way to learn these things as well, though. Having yeah. to actually, you know, when you're going out there and doing it. Mm -hmm. But but I guess in in a sense, you are kind of like um, if you're learning the lessons now, you can pass that mm -hmm. knowledge on to other people later and possibly save them having to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. That's my goal. Yeah, stuff being a troll, right? It's a blazer. I mean, what we we are very much into the development of RPG professions on this podcast. So, like, I know just off the top of your head, what's the top three or the most important lesson that you advise people? Um, 
Wow. That's a learn easy, about, easy learn question shipping. to answer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> learn about shipping for just at a, at a baseline for product cost. Yeah. Shipping is an ever evolving, uncontrollable monster that will eat away any profit that you have. Mm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. The at the moment, it seems to change time, day yeah. to day as well, which doesn't help. Mm. Yeah. Um, it's tough getting physical media out there right now, just because of all these ramifications that have been going on. So I guess focus more on electronic friendly media. That just... I, I wouldn't say that. A lot of people uh -huh. like to have a physical product of a book. I know, for instance, for me, I am more inclined to read a, a physical hard book than I am something on screen. That's yeah. because I spend all day on screen either yeah. writing or uh, dark review or yeah. my day job, which is a lot of screen work. So for me, a PDF, yeah. I'll pop, I would use as a reference. Mm. But I don't think I'd sit and read it. Yeah. I mean, mm. an actual physical book is what I need to actually, if I'm going cover to cover, it mm. needs to be a physical book for me. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know if that's just, you know, a generational thing. Maybe, you know, maybe. I know, I know a lot of people out there will happily read PDFs without a second thought. So it's not. Yeah. I, I find like a book does work better for my style of learning, which is like just open up and just read a random page and keep clicking through till you find something that interests you mm. and learning from there. Yeah. Yeah. So going back to sort of the sort of lessons you were talking about sort of as a person mm. of colour and the struggles that you might have in the industry, you, you touched on sort of coming across how people how people react to a publisher or creator of colour in the industry. Are you, are you able to talk a little bit more about that? What, what exactly there's, that? there's a different standard yeah. that I know that I'm held to. Mm -hmm. And part of that standard has... It's, it's difficult to explain, but there's a, regardless of the quality of the product I'm going to release, mm. it is automatically going to be considered lesser right. because I'm black. Right. And I've also worked with people who don't treat working for the project with the same level of respect and importance mm. that they would working for a white publisher. Oh, right. At the same time, you have automatically some people that want to negatively engage with whatever you're going to put out based on the color of your skin. Yeah, I mean, I've mm. seen, it, uh, going back to Into the Motherlands, it's just that's the big, big one mm. on Kickstarter at the moment, so it's taking out quite a lot of attention. Um, I've definitely seen that with them. Yeah. Um, the, big, the big issue, I think, that I've seen there is people questioning them about the system, because they've been mm. upfront that they, they're, yeah. they're, you know, they're exploring options and they're going to choose mm. the best system for, yeah, yeah. The, for the game. Mm. Uh, but so many, so many things appear on Kickstarter without yeah. without even a page of preview yet, which yeah. don't get questioned, oh, to yeah. the, interrogated to the extent that that particular project has. Uh, and there's so many things appear on Kickstarter, and you hear it, and you think, "Oh, I don't see that's going to work very well." Like, I mean, yeah. fifth edition Dungeons Dragons is an excellent system for doing dungeon crawls. I personally question its applicability to horror, science fiction, romance. There's a lot of things where people are just trying to make D&D work for things that it's just like, this isn't in the brief. Do you know what I mean? All right. So now, now I've got to put on my, my, my developer hat, and I will disagree with you at that point. You can make any system do anything you want it to do. It's a matter of your intent and what widgets you'll build into that system to do that. Yeah, I've always had a slightly different opinion on that. Well, I agree with you. Mm. I think any system can pretty much do anything. Um, you know, you can you can take D and D, and you can technically play anything uh, with D and D. I kind of feel that sometimes that's a little bit like just putting a costume on on a system rather than a system designed for a particular genre from the ground up. Does mm. that make sense? 
I, I know what you're saying, but I still disagree. Like you, BB will say he's built for exploration and kicking monster butts. Yeah, like yeah. that's your yeah. that's your right. primary primary wheelhouse for. It. Yeah. But if you wanted to focus more on like interactions with people, mm-hmm. like you say, all right, you go out, you fight monsters, but now six percent of our game is always going to be like about romancing people mm-hmm. in the city. Mm, yes. What you do then is you build a very, you tweak the system and you build a very small widget that then allows for that mechanic to be more important. Mm. Well, I think that would be easier to do with D&D because the social system boils down to, I don't know, just role play it. Um, but if you wanted to make things like ranged weapons work, then you need to put a fair amount of work into making MacGuffins, for instance, lasers. I, I like how Espergenesis is done it, but I can see that it's still a patch um, because the core system is basically wanting to do it a different way. Yeah. I, I, I still think that if you... I'm I'm a staunch believer that you can build something inside of a system to do what you need it to do. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, like so for Call of Cthulhu, I made a superhero game. Oh, okay. And I don't know when they'll publish it, but I made a superhero game with yeah. you could like lift twenty five tons, but mm. you could be potentially be a Hulk S person. You could like phase or stuff like Spectrum. Mm. All of that I did with Call of Cthulhu, and I made minor changes to the system based on what was already there and layered on a few things. Are you able to talk about that? Because you just said you don't know when they're going to publish it. Is that a, a, a thing you're able to talk? Because I'm, I'm suddenly intrigued. Um, but, uh, I submitted that, I want to say, like maybe two years ago. It is a, a modern day superhero camp campaign for Call of Cthulhu. Wow. So how, uh, how do you address the superpower? Because obviously the core system of Call of Cthulhu wouldn't scale with its deep, with its percentile thing. So how would you, what's your yeah. approach to... Yeah. I don't know what I can say about it because <laughs> I'm under an NDA. <laughs> right, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, but cool. I mean, you I have seen. all... You can play any sort of superhero. Right, okay. Yeah. Oh, nice. That's what I'm, I'm thinking. I'm a staunch, staunch believer. Power right. comes with the cost. Yes. Well, okay. I'm, I'm looking at Charlie Stroth's Laundry series. That's of the later books have um, essentially superheroes in a mythos setting. So if you wanted to run that, that sounds like, yeah, that could be very exciting. Hmm. Ah. So uh, so this, this book, Haunted West, is hopefully yes. coming out end of this year, you say? Yes. It's coming out, of the, it's coming out the end of the year. Excellent, excellent. Okay. And what's what's after that? What are you doing after that? Or are you just thinking about this right now? Um, one of the things I've learned from doing Haunted West is uh, I'm not going to say what my next thing is. I've got some <laughs> oh. ideas in the hopper. That, so you we'll see what happens. So you've done sort of Harlem, you've done Westerns. I mean, obviously sci-fi is where you're going next, but yeah, <laughs> you keep that to yourself. <laughs> But I, I'm here for it, Chris. Let, let's say when that hits. Well, yeah. When when you when you are willing to talk about it, will you come back and tell us? Oh, able to. His hands are tied by the non non disclosure agreement. <laughs> um, I'm always happy to come back and talk to you guys. Oh. So. And thank you so much for coming on. It's been absolutely fascinating. I know it's been very very engaging. So thanks for yeah. It. Thank you very much. Well, say, you kind of I imagine you often find yourself in a position where you have to educate people about things, and mm. that. I imagine could be quite frustrating at times. So I just want to say thank you. You're, you're so understanding that two white Brits from the other side of the world, 
you know, <laughs> don't don't really, you know, have have the same background and story that you're you're intimately familiar with. And um, thank you for your patience with us yeah. as we talk sure. about these things. I appreciate your time. On, 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 on that note, thank you so much for coming on. It's been real fun. It's always really good fun to have you on. You're a great yeah. you're a great guest and a real really fun to talk to. So. Yeah. <laughs> you're welcome back anytime. Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash Morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. Wild Wild West, was that that Will Smith film? That was that one. With the giant mechanical... Technically, it was a television show before that. With the giant mechanical spider. Did that have a giant mechanical spider? I'm thinking of the Will Smith vehicle with the giant mechanical spider, which also had Kenneth Branagh in it as well. Um, That wasn't a great film, I have to say. (laughs) was not... Oh, very (laughs) good. I love Will Smith, but even he could not save that film. It, it had a number of issues, but <laughs> it was also a... Uh, it was a lot of fun. Something I had to watch recently for the book. Oh, okay. Yeah. Has it aged well, Chris? Because it's going to be about a decade since the last saw it properly. Oh, that's not a good face. <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry.